You're listening to the TV Obsessive channel, presented by tvobsessive.com. Hello, welcome back to the TV Obsessive podcast, episode 39. I am Ryan Kirksey, writer and contributor for tvobsessive.com. I'm joined, as always, by Cameron Crane, executive editor for the site. Uh, he's forgotten all of his Swedish and all of his piano, but he's still here with us today. Cameron, how you doing? Pretty good, Ryan. Yourself? I'm doing okay. I'm doing okay. I uh, uh, We have some people in our episode today that are... are, are Going through it, but I think I'm doing okay uh, over on this side. I don't know about you. Did you ever? I, I I've never studied Swedish. I've studied some other foreign languages, but I, I did um, try to play piano a little bit, play trombone in high school, stuff like that. And I was a little bit older, so yeah. in college, um, kind of trying to learn piano. You ever you ever try to play piano? So you you and I must be in like alternate universes or something, or you know we're. We, we need our lithium pills because so I played piano in elementary school and then gave it up and took up the trombone. Really? In high school. Yes. That's, that's, that's fascinating. So I regret Wasn't... giving up. I regret giving up the piano. That was uh, something I, I wish I knew how to do. You know, I regret giving up trombone. Do you still <laughs> play at all? No, never, never. No, I, Cause like I was pretty good. I was first chair in my high school, you yeah. know, symphonic, orchestra or whatever you know and then i graduated high school and i just stopped like i didn't yeah. go to college or anything um and uh no i've totally lost it now yeah but um anyhow one of those, one of those things then then come back anyway that's our our musical history there like where i was gonna go with it is if i could just magically one day be like i can play piano <laughs> i would be stoked Definitely. i would be absolutely stoked Definitely. i really struggled on piano i really struggled with the fact that you have to do one rhythm with one hand and another rhythm with the other hand. That that was the thing that I found yeah. particularly hard as opposed to other instruments I've played. Um, anyhow, hopefully this doesn't feel like spoilers to anyone. We're going to be talking about Constellation Episode 4. Yeah. Uh, the left hand of God in the latter part of the pod uh, today. Hopefully people are watching the show. Um, we talked about the premiere last week, which was three episodes. So you can go back to that mm-hmm. podcast uh, if you... Um, missed it and um yeah but first as per usual we'll talk a bit about what caught our eye in the news pertaining to tv this week that sort of thing what we've been watching to sort of chat a bit um so it's march 1st somehow yeah. march already <laughs> um what caught your eye this week ryan what are you gonna talk about well i thought maybe we'd start with uh just a little bit on on richard lewis um i mean clearly mm-hmm. news from a few days ago his Passing, he had, you know, this is someone who had struggled for many, many, many years with addictions, but it, it had gotten over that, gotten sober, and then had announced a while back, maybe a year or two ago, that he had been diagnosed with Parkinson's, and I think that he actually ended up dying of a heart attack, but had sort of had this um, a renaissance of sorts as uh, on the cast of Curb Enthusiasm, right? Yeah. He, he was, you know, I'm sure a lot of people out there have seen have seen Larry David's uh, statement about him. They were born in the same hospital three days apart. They've been best friends forever. You know, sort of one of these things where Larry David, you know, it wasn't like throw him a bone, but it was like, I'm going to help you get back on your feet by putting him on the last five or six seasons of this show. 
uh maybe even longer he's probably been on more than that i think it's longer because i i mean as we've covered i'm way behind on yeah. your enthusiasm and i remember richard lewis being on there yeah relatively consistently maybe not at the very beginning but i remember watching that show and be like hey it's richard lewis who in yeah. my mind is a legend and i want to say a couple of more things about that but you know um, yeah so just to tie tie that up and I, yeah we should talk a little bit about his er- earlier career but he was on this last sunday's episode And so it will end up being, of course, the last thing that he appeared on before. I don't know. I presume he he recorded other episodes, but it it was just very odd. The running thing between him and Larry David in the past episode was him telling Larry how he was going to give him all his money when he died. And Larry didn't want it. Larry said, you know, do something else with it. I don't want your money. I think you should do something else with it. He said, no, I've already written it in my will. It's there. So this is a very odd sort of connection moment there. But yeah, I I say all that to sort of bring up the fact that, yeah, this is a television show, but you could see the connection between those two when they are on screen together. And it's just nice to see him appreciated now for what was a very, very long period. And there'll be a whole generation of people that only know him from Curb and not from his other stuff. Yeah, right. And that was one thing I was going to mention on this, you know, seeing a number of the headlines about his death, mentioning Curb Your Enthusiasm specifically. And I thought to myself, wait, I've known who Richard Lewis is my entire life. (laughs) Yeah, That's what I feel like. I feel like I've known who he is my entire life. Then I started thinking, like, why? You know, I I started wondering, what what was the first thing with Richard Lewis in it that struck me in in my lifetime um do you know what it was i, I looked i had to look into it i'm gonna guess robin hood many tights no okay <laughs> that's what it is for me anything but love oh okay. the short-lived relatively short-lived sitcom um i think it was from like 1989 to 1991 or 92 or something i think oh, okay. i had four seasons abbreviated first season i mean i i, I hardly even remembered the name of the show but it made an impression on me as a child, basically, starring yeah. Richard Lewis and Jamie Lee Curtis. Oh, that's right. I did see a tribute from her saying, you know, how wonderful he was. And I didn't realize that's what it was from. OK. Yeah. And then, of course, he's got credits like Men in Tights. And looking at his IMDb, he was in all kinds of stuff a little bit. Yeah. You know? And um, there is a way in which it's like, you know, 52 episodes of Anything But Love some film credits, sprinklings of appearances for one episode on TV shows, and then Curb. Yeah. So, I mean, I guess it it is kind of fair that um, the number of episodes with Curb and the recency and all that was going to be mentioned. Yeah, part of me wants to go... Those that haven't seen it, it's worth going to revisit some of his stand-up stuff. Very good, very good satirical... uh, Comedian. So, yeah, worth revisiting. Very. I think it was that, too... You know, because particularly when we were younger, there was a period where stand-up comedians got really famous yes. for a minute, um, beyond what they are now. And Richard Lewis was in that group. Definitely. You know. Um also for what it's worth, seeing some of this stuff on social media, you know, not just from other big name celebrities, but from just other people yeah. maybe vaguely associated with the industry or i saw um, a journalist ben collins posting things um apparently he was just like an incredibly kind human being yeah who would like send text messages to journalists saying <laughs> like keep up the good work 
I love uh, this article was fantastic. Like just just kind of out of nowhere, which is yeah, I don't know, wonderful. So it is a real loss. And yeah, no, I, ab- absolutely. I I anticipate we'll have a few more times to catch him as curb uh, season tricks along. So yeah, check that check that out if you can. Yeah, I mean, I should probably really catch up on curb now mm-hmm. or start my alternate plan of just watching this season, which is probably yeah. what I would need to do in order to actually be up to up to speed by the time it ends. Um, but okay. A whole host of other things from this week. What other news do we have? Um, well, we got our notes here. I've got a couple of uh, series announcements, and you've got a couple of casting announcements, it looks yeah. like. So I was confused. So tell me about this Apple TV series because I'm gonna I want to hear about what this is, and I'm gonna tell you why I was confused when I first saw this. So it was announced the other day that Apple TV Plus is going to continue on their streak of sci-fi television with an adaptation of William Gibson's Neuromancer. Yeah. Why were you confused? I was confused because I misread it at first and thought that this Apple TV series was doing a show called Necromancer which is a project necromancer, which is like the, from Star Wars, the cloning secret empire project to bring back, you know, people who have high midichlorian counts, but it's not that they've not taken over Star Wars. This is a, this is from a novel adaptation, <laughs> if I understand it. I, I think the word necromancer predates the Star Wars also, by the yeah, way, yeah. you know, you're doing, you're doing magic with the dead. If you're a yeah. necromancer, I think it's in like Dungeons and Dragons and probably might predate that. But no, William Gibson, Neuromancer, I think this might have been his first novel. Are you familiar with William, William Gibson? I'm familiar somewhat, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. You should get a lot of credit for what we call cyberpunk as uh-huh. a genre. Um, and, you know, so the basic plot here involves computer hacking and, you know, stuff like that. <laughs> um, <laughs> and uh, I don't know, I'm looking forward to it. Um, Prime Video, Amazon adapted um, his book, The Peripheral. And ah, it got canceled yes. after one season. And it was pretty good. I was writing on the first season of that. Um, I don't know. It's also William Gibson is pretty active on social media. So, like, I might have first encountered this from like him tweeting about it or something like this, you know. Um, and then that's cool. I mean, he's just kind of a giant and there's um yeah i think there there are multiple books that tie into this same world so potentially if the series is good and successful it could go on for a while yeah it looks like this book has won all the major global science fiction awards so it uh yeah has potential as we, as, as we know from the discussions we've had apple tv is the right place for this to land if it's going to be some high quality science fiction so looking forward to yeah. that no, this is a total side note that just occurred to me, and I don't know why. Like in my mind, it's related. Neil Stevenson's Snow Crash. There were rumors about them adapting that a couple years ago, and I now I need to look into whether that is ever going to happen. Probably won't. Oh, okay. No, I haven't uh, heard anything about that. that. The only connection there is in terms of the genre and the science fiction, and I the see. The, 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 there's like a kind of connection in terms of um, that. Um, the other folks, one... yes, folks who do other folks who do genre things. We've talked before about the Benioff and Weiss project that's coming to yeah. uh, 
think it's coming Netflix. to Netflix. Yeah, they've got like a deal with Netflix. They got like an overall yeah, they have this overarch. Obviously, they're charged with three body problem coming now in less than a month. They've got an overall deal with them. And one of the things they're doing is this death by lightning project about President James Garfield and the person who became infatuated with him and ended up killing him. We talked about how it already has Michael Shannon, uh, Matthew McFazin from from Succession. Now they've got Betty Gilpin, fresh off of Miss Davis. Nick yeah. Offerman, fresh off an Emmy from his Last of Us appearance uh, and ver- various other things. So this is becoming more and more interesting <laughs> every day. I'm, get- I'm getting pretty excited. Yeah. Like I- I'm getting pretty close to maximally excited based just on <laughs> the cast. Yes. You know what I'm saying? Like, I guess assassination of James Garfield, this is potentially interesting material, but, yes. you know, I'm, I'm more sitting here like, really? Yeah. Because, <laughs> you know, as we talked about, I was just watching Mrs. Davis and she was wonderful in that. And that show was great. And of course, Nick Offerman is great in everything. And Michael Shannon is great in everything. And then Matthew McFadden and that. You know, I, mean, I just want to say also, this is a—I mean, this is a, an incredible cast. There's no doubt about it that I'll be watching this now when it when it when it comes out, regardless of of what the su- subject matter is. But good for Benioff and Weiss, where you can be just like universally panned for something you did, and then have this kind of bounce back five or six years later. I mean, good good for them to to be able to get this kind of deal done. Yeah, one thing I am wondering, given these casting announcements, looking at these names, thinking about these names. I know the show's based on a book and I haven't read the book. Yeah. And of course it's based on history, which I have some familiar. Is it going to be funny? <laughs> that's a great like, just question. Just looking at this cast, I have to feel like this is gonna be funny, isn't it? Yeah, that, that's a great question because we have the potential of these top four headliners to be incredibly funny. Yeah, I'm not saying like is it gonna be a comedy? I don't think it's yeah. gonna be a comedy. No, it's gonna be a drama and so on and so forth, but Man, if there's not some humor for these people to play with, yeah, I mean, no, no, using their talents to the max, you know. So, yeah, I mean, know, in, all, really in all in all the casting announcements that came out this week, that th- this one I think uh, piqued my interest interest the most. Yeah, absolutely. And the other one you got was only murders in the building, right? More. Yeah, they 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 keep growing the cast of this of this show, I and mean, obviously it's wildly popular now. Um, so in addition to, I think, Meryl Streep being added in season three, they've now added Ava Longoria and Eugene Levy for season four. So, I mean, yeah, I want to talk about a, a cast of comedians. I mean, I, I haven't seen too much of what Ava Longoria has been in. I wasn't really a Desperate Housewives fan, but obviously she yeah. is universally known. Eugene Levy right off of Schitt's Creek. I mean, he's a genius. So this well, is and he... I should have looked into this uh, to refresh my memory. Maybe you remember better than I do. But thinking about Martin Short, Steve Martin, Eugene Levy, these guys have known each other for a while, haven't they? Don't they like have connections early in their comedic roots? Yeah, I want to say that that at least Short and Levy were in that Canadian famous Canadian improv group, the SCTV, all with the name was it or, CCTV? Yeah, yeah. Um, but I, I think I have that. I think I have that right. Yeah, 
we should have looked into this before we were recording. Yeah. If I was well, that's, what, that's what I should. Yeah, that's that's what for, but <laughs> um, but I mean, whatever they may have done together or not done together, um, certainly this is another name who has um, a long and kind of story career as a comedian. Yeah. So it, it does. And when we say long story, so it looks like. They have been friends and working together. Eugene Levy, Martin Short, and Gilda Radner oh, teamed, yeah. teamed up together in Toronto in the first time in 1972. So they've they been working together since then. Yeah. So it should be good. Yeah. Looking forward to it. It'll be good. The other thing that caught my eye, there's some other stuff. Um, Did you ever watch Ray Donovan? No, I've never seen Ray Ray Donovan. This is is this this is Dad TV, right? They don't have that yeah. right. Yeah, I mean, I think so. I'm gonna be honest. I never watched Ray Donovan <laughs> either. I I kind of thought about watching Ray Donovan. You know, it's yeah. one of those things that's kind of right there where it feels like this is probably pretty entertaining. It's on Showtime, you know, Sleep Schreiber. Anyway, um they're going to do um a spin-off series. And part of why it caught my eye is some of the names involved, including Guy Ritchie, who we were talking about last week. Yeah, we uh, just talked about him. And so, I don't know. I thought this was worth mentioning. Perhaps some people listening will be more excited than we are, since we're not fans of the show. We do have some <laughs> articles on, on tvobsessive.com on Ray Donovan, uh, for what it's worth. Um, Brad Dukes popped in and wrote some articles what's, on What Ray sense do you get, or I don't know, if we, which is something we should look at as well, like how involved... Guy Ritchie is in this production. It seemed to be he was heavily involved in the one we talked about last week, The Gentleman. And he's also involved in some other things. So, I, you know, it's kind of like, is this one of the things where you're lending your name to this? Or you are executive producing and just consulting from time to time. I wonder how he can spread his time across all this stuff. Yeah, I don't know if he's terribly involved with this one. Yeah. Um, I'm more wanting to mention it because I know that Ray Donovan has a fan base. It was mm-hmm. kind of... Um, uh, as I recall, unceremoniously canceled and people were upset and then they brought it back with a, a movie to wrap it up or something. Now you got the spinoff yes. series. Uh, the other thing that caught my eye was the exec in the article saying that this quote was from maybe last year, but, you know, talking about leaning into their brands like Ray Donovan and maybe they'll do more Dexter. I don't know how they'll do more Dexter. I honestly don't know how they would do more Dexter at this point. Um, I I start this is a side obviously, but I started Dexter and then had so many people tell me that it ended so badly that I stopped I stopped watching it. So I, I never made it to the end of that that bad uh, last season. Good plan. Well, but then they they did reboot Dexter, right? Like a couple right. years ago, they did Dexter New Blood. Um, and uh, I guess I don't want to jump into spoiler territory of how it ends, but if you know how it ends, like I don't know how they go, how they do more Dexter at this point. <laughs> okay. Uh, Fair so Fair I mean, I, th- there are ways. There, are, there's always a way, you know. But um, well, Liv Schreiber can just uh, do Donovan. Ray Donovan and narrate Hard Knocks for the rest of his life, and I think people people would would watching it. Yeah, interesting career from that guy. Yeah, <laughs> I remember he first caught my eye in some like indie films in the late 1990s. Yeah, you know, and now he's um, the voice of Hard Knocks. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, uh, so what else do we got this week? What have we been watching 
besides curve you can talk about curve more if you want to yeah no no just curve continues to be um to be incredible larry david had to go to marriage counseling this week which was just i mean again every week i just keep saying what well, I don't think it can get any better. Just Larry David and marriage counseling is is absolute instant iconic. Um, yeah. So please check that out this this season. And then, did you watch the first two episodes of Shogun that came out this week? Oh, you know, this is. I almost did, but I did not. I, I actively thought about it. I saw it on Hulu when I was watching The Floor. Yeah, and I thought, well, maybe after I'm done watching the floor, I'll watch Shogun, and then I don't know, it got kind of late, and I didn't. Yeah, did. so I am halfway through the second episode. It, it, it's a it's a lift because the two episodes together are are well over two hours if you if you watch them. Um, but man, the first episode was I thought incredible. I, I mean, this the I don't know much about this time period in history, but. It was just the perfect balance of telling you things at the pace you need to know them, introducing characters in a way where you get to understand who they are, what they do, what their motivations are without just, I, I mean, this is a, a broad and wide cast of characters here. Um, they just, the, the pace of the first episode and a half is, is extremely good. The, the guy who's lead the, the, the British sailor who crashes in japan this is not a spoiler this is just sort of the, the base of the story um whose name is cosmo jarvis that's the actor's name he's phenomenal i don't know what i've seen him in this movie, but he, he is incredible and he's this you know for lack of a better term fish out of water crashes yeah. on this on this country doesn't know the language you know so it's very little english a whole lot of japanese that you have to try to catch the uh catch the subtitles um production value is tremendous just the stuff that is clearly cgi looks good doesn't look like it's you know done on you know a green screen or something um it, it was definitely something i will i will continue watching to the end of the season it's just i thought it was very well done cool yeah check it out i've seen positive reviews yeah i've seen comparisons to game of thrones were yeah. we the first ones to compare it to game of thrones probably not <laughs> probably but we no. did <laughs> uh, but people now who have seen it are comparing it to Game of Thrones. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, I've, I've checked it. I mean, it definitely looks like an epic story and it is saying it's good. And it, it is. And it's it's one of those where, you know, it's not like the first episode ended on a cliffhanger or this big, oh, I've got a scroll. And that's what it just was such a good story. You just want to keep diving into the story and learning more about it, even though I don't know the first thing about you know, the spice trade through Japan in the early 1600s, right? I know nothing about that, but I want to know more about it. Well, it also seems like a lot of people are watching it. Yeah. And so like, maybe I want to be part of the conversation. <laughs> I was like, I was reading this uh, last summer. There was this interview with Bill Hader, and it was a really great interview. I forget where it was published, but he was talking about being younger, and one of his friends wanted him to go see some movie, and he didn't really want to see that movie. And so I was like, you got to be part of the conversation. <laughs> Bill Hader was like, I don't want to be a part of the conversation. <laughs> I think that, that attitude on his part carries forward. You know? Yeah, yeah. You know, you don't see Bill Hader as a part of the conversation, whatever. whatever <laughs> um, I respect that. Um, 
Watching the floor, it was the finale of the floor. Have you checked yes. out the show at all? As I haven't before? watched it yet. Is there anyone left on the floor? Are they all fallen through? What's the you uh... can uh, you can binge it now? <laughs> uh, note to everyone out there, perhaps if you're watching on Hulu as I did, they build this last week's episode as a two-hour season finale, and it was. Except Hulu split it into two episodes and tried to show me the second one first. Be careful out there. Um, um yeah. Well, we'll start watching the second that's one. Not good. <laughs> Spoilers. Mm-hmm. Um I caught it in time though. Eh, it was pretty good. I was I wasn't the happiest with who won. No offense to the person who won the floor. Um and I felt like maybe <laughs> a couple people made some strategic mistakes, you know. So yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. A little bit of that vicarious frustration. Like, why'd you do that? You know, but um anyway, it's a good show. And then yeah, this, is, this is something because strategic game show that that's that's my wheelhouse of that. I really enjoy those. So I do I do have to just spend the weekend and, and plow through this thing. Yeah. So they're they're at the point where you know they have to decide um who to challenge or what category to play. That's what that's what I need. Yeah. You okay. Know, I think okay. a couple couple of times it was like mm. <laughs> you you made the wrong decision as opposed to you know when they're actually doing the trivia contest yeah. well, you get things wrong you know whatever you know you get things wrong you don't know it you don't know it but this the strategic decisions yeah um beyond that i've been watching the daily show and i was going to mention this because i know i said on here before we both tuned in for john stewart's first mm-hmm. monday and then i i noted that i proceeded to not watch it the rest of the week I've been watching the. Uh, I felt bad. I've been watching the. Um, <laughs> the uh, the other hosts. Yeah, have you watched them at all? No, I will admit I've seen three John Stewart episodes and not one second more since he came back. <laughs> yeah, well, it's just I think kind of there, but yeah. you know, I mean, part of me was like, I want to see how these people are doing. Are they auditioning for the gig? Yeah, I think they are at some yeah. level, you know. Um, they're giving each of them the full rest of the week, right? So they're not rotating day by day, but it's like John Stewart and Jordan Klepper for the rest of the week, for example. Um, and also, I guess you know, Comedy Central's nefarious plan worked, and they kind of sucked me back into mm-hmm. this old habit I used to have ten years ago of watching The Daily Show every day. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I I certainly don't blame you. I probably should um, tune in more than just on on Monday nights. But he's just, I don't know. He's just been so so good. Episode two in particular, where he goes in on Tucker Carlson and Vladimir Putin, was just I, I mean I was no that, that was waking people up in my house because I was laughing so much. That <laughs> <laughs> was pretty good. Tucker like, Carlson's ever been to a grocery store before. <laughs> yeah. um, I wouldn't say that you should. I mean, yeah. You're not. And I've been skipping the interviews for the most part. Yeah. No, I, I, watching I, it on Paramount I, Plus. I let the I'll let the person that they're interviewing go for, you know, 30 seconds. I'm like, I don't care. Yeah. And um <laughs> yeah. apologies to the guests. I'm yeah. sorry. That is a wrinkle I got to thinking though uh, about with streaming as opposed to cable. Back in the day when I was watching the daily show on cable. Mm-hmm. I always watched the interviews. Yeah, yep. you know what I mean. There was no way to easily skip them. 
Um, and I just, oh, of course, I'm going to watch the whole episode, let the interview yeah. go. I want the moment of Zen at the end. <laughs> um, but I'm sitting here watching on Paramount Plus. And then what's funny is I skip, I watch the moment of Zen. Like, I want that. I do exactly the same thing. <laughs> uh, unless the interview seems interesting from the beginning. So, you know, yeah. come on. No, it's, it. it's been, it's been, it's been nice to get back into that sort of, as you, as you said, sort of a, sort of a comfort zone with that after, after a lot of years of not being there. Yeah. And John Stewart's been doing good. And, yeah. uh, his dog died, and that was sad. I don't know if yeah, that was very good. Um, very sad. Yeah, no need to dwell on that, but yeah. Pulling on the heartstrings. Um, all right, well, I guess you want to get to Constellation? Yeah, we might We might as well. I mean, we'll, uh, we're will we going to do our best with this this episode. There's a lot to get through, so let's. I guess let's dive in. All right, so this is your spoiler warning for Constellation Episode 4. Um, after a brief musical interlude will pop in here, we're going to dig into the episode with all spoilers on the table for everything up through episode four of Constellation, and we'll see you on the other side. Okay, welcome back. We are diving into Constellation, Episode 4, out of The Left Hand of God, written by Peter Harness, directed by Oliver Hirschbiegel, uh, same writer and director as a couple of the episodes that we talked about last week. Um, I have about, Cameron, I have about 9,000 words here as a summary of this uh, of this episode, but I'm going to try to truncate it as much as possible. Basically, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we don't need to play by play. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Joe, our, our, our main character, Joe, her life is, I mean, just falling apart because there are things she doesn't remember about her marriage. There are things that happened that before from when, when she was in space with affairs between her, her husband, her daughter can't remember her Swedish. She, Joe all of a sudden learns, knows how to play the piano. She didn't know how to do that before. Think she knew how to do that before. Um, so things are just completely in chaos as she tries to sort out what's going on here. She eventually goes to some counseling and they prescribe her lithium pills, which she understands is an antipsychotic. Uh, but through some investigations, she learns that these lithium pills that she's been prescribed that she does not want to take because she does not want to think that she is um, crazy in any way is the same thing that she has been prescribed as daily pills to take when she got back from this this trip. Um, she does some investigating, learning that there are a small number of astronauts that have experienced these similar things that she has, and they have been categorized and tried to be, I don't know, they tried to been put back on the right path by these pills and by some of these things that they're, that they're doing. Uh, she confronts Henry Caldera about, um, about this, and he explains that there's a phenomenon called the left hand of God that some of these astronauts have experienced to fly in very high altitudes um, none of this seems to help because the home life continues to deteriorate. Her husband, Magnus, thinks that she needs to go into a facility that can help her recover. Um, they argue and fight over this. Joe knocks Magnus down. We don't see him get back up. We don't know his fate. Uh, but what we do know is that some Marine Observatory in Denmark sent Joe a package with transcripts and recordings 
of the lost conversations when she was in space and of conversations seemingly from a female cosmonaut that might have been the one that died that Joe saw in space. Um, Cabin scenes in this episode are with Magnus and Alice, different from the first three episodes that were with Joe and Alice. All that leads toward this ending of a very ominous painting that exists in their cabin in the woods. Um, We got a heavy dose of quantum physics in this one. We got a heavy dose of are we in different realities, different timelines, different universes. With all of that, where should we go? Yeah, indeed, because you you didn't hit on everything. You hardly talked about Henry or Bud. Um, Kind of a lot here. Um, Let's start with the opening scene. Insofar as it seemed clear to me that this is an alternate reality, you know, I mean, of course, that already seemed fairly clear through the first three episodes. But if you think about the fact that we're getting an opening scene where Magnus is taking Alice to the cabin and at the end he tells her something like, don't worry, you're never going to see her again, presumably referring to Joe. um, There's no way that's in the same world as the other cabin scenes at least yeah can't can't be and it does harken back to some of our conversations from last week of you know are we being fed this information that there's a timeline where joe died yeah and has not come back and there's a timeline where maybe the joe that was supposed to die actually ended up in another timeline i know i'm going off a tangent already here but just how did you read the fact that there are now two sets of cabin scenes well what i find particularly interesting as a question here is that for the most part other than this opening scene and scenes where she well do you want step back okay for the most part we've been within joe's perspective Mm -hmm. in the show and um if called for we could refer to her as our joe Mm-hmm. Right, because apparently there were other ones, right? There are strong indications in this episode that our Joe has taken the place of a Joe who died, did, didn't die in space. I don't know exactly how to put this together. Um, if that gets at it. But regardless, mostly it's been from her perspective, at least when she's around. But when she's not around, you know, um, in this opening scene, it's clearly an alternate reality from the opening cabin scenes in previous episodes. And then I start wondering, well, how many worlds are we seeing in the other scenes in this show? Um perhaps in particular the ones that Joe isn't in. You following me? That's one of my my essential questions as well, is I I take it as the opening scene with Magnus and Alice in the cabin is clearly separate from our, called our prime timeline, the one that we were introduced to with Joe. Some version of Joe is in, is alive. It's not the one that maybe she's supposed to be in, the sort of our prime timeline that we're following. I think my impression is that we are introduced to Magnus and Alice in at least a secondary timeline, but which may not be the only one, right? Because we're introduced to some things later that yeah. that others that might exist. 
And again, you know, these are, yeah, and I think that's part of my confusion here is there, are these timelines, are these universes, are these realities, are, you know, are they all the same? Is that all mean the same thing? You know, what are we being introduced to here in this concept of, again, they keep going back to explaining these experiments and what it looks like and what that means for matter in two places at the same, at the same point. Um, you know, sort of what exactly are we dealing with here and does that matter? Yeah, I mean, well, narratively, it matters insofar as there's a question of how this is going to hang together and how we understand it. Um, whether it's like, again, as as I said last week, I'm just going to keep saying when this comes up about quantum mechanics, I don't care if they're getting the science right because they aren't. Um, yeah. Like at some <laughs> level, they aren't. I you know, I mean, I, I know just enough to know that if you really you know, got some quantum physicists in the conversation. They could poke holes and, you know, have complaints yeah. and all of that. But I think they are pretty clearly playing on um, what's called the many worlds interpretation of quantum mechanics, as others have in fiction as well. And taking that at a macro level that there are potentially infinite versions of, mm. uh, of reality, which you could also approach just at the level of um kind of philosophical thought experiment you know yeah. like potentially at any given moment you're making a choice you could have made another choice and so you could split that off into an infinite number of realities if you take the line that there is a reality in which every possible choice is made mm -hmm. um I don't know if they're quite going that far. Yeah. But it, yeah. it does seem clear they're they're playing with that kind of many worlds thing. And then there's a strong suggestion that maybe the Cal device did something to kind of I don't know, puncture the barriers between the realities. Um I'm glad I'm glad you brought this up because it it and, and I don't know necessarily how far we're gonna go down this one specific path at this point but it confused me that so we see uh joe she's in the european space agency offices she's looking at the medical record she's dissecting the mm -hmm. pills to see what's in them she sees this version of henry whatever version that is and whatever it is that he's supposed to be trying to convey to her and then she goes into this office but she's in an office while men are trying to clean it out and so yeah. it sort of talks about to what you're referencing there, this barrier might be sort of flimsy right then of where she is versus where she's supposed to be or the other version of where she's supposed to be. Because these men are there cleaning out an office because in that in that timeline or in that universe, she has died. Okay. Right. And that makes sense to me, right? Because she's experienced this left hand of God. She has um, gone through this experience. Something has happened to her. But then I can justify that, but then I can't justify why is someone like Alice seeing things or does the barrier that's sort of become transparent now something where everyone is exposed to that? Everyone can sort of see between these realities. How can Alice see a version where her mother has died, Paul has not, other people are there in her house? I, I just couldn't, I guess, square that circle as it were. Yeah, I think that's a really good question. Because with regard to Joe, I mentioned the Cal device, but it does seem like there's something broader that maybe mm -hmm. pre-exists the Cal device, 
with Henry, perhaps Irina, perhaps some of these other people um, she finds in the records, other people Henry mentions when he's talking about the left hand of God. And uh, I liked how he mentioned Laika. This is the dog the Russians sent into space. Yes. <laughs> um, <laughs> and he has a whiteboard, right? And it one of the possible one of the things on the whiteboard is death and space. Death and space. Yeah. Um, the other one I think is like stress trauma or something. And then for some reason he circled lithium seven. Mm, okay, that's interesting to think about because it, it kind of seems like lithium seven is a treatment for the condition that they're giving people. But then how does it fit on the whiteboard where it would seem like the whiteboard is speculating about the cause? Yeah, this is one of my off-the-wall conspiracy theories is that someone or something is behind some sort of mission to propagate or push forward this being able to go between worlds or realities or timelines and the lithium helps them do that. It doesn't ground them. It doesn't bring them back to reality, but that actually pushes things forward because of what they've been exposed to, right? It's just a... Just a random mm. thought, but it could be. That's an interesting possibility. That would actually fit a lot better with Henry's whiteboard. Yeah. yeah. So, like, maybe death in space is the initial cause. Mm -hmm. <laughs> One version of you dies in space, you <laughs> know, or something like this. And you end up somehow, though, taking the place of a version of you who did not die in space. And that's interesting, the suggestion yeah. that the lithium is intended to. But that also could come back to your question of of a choice or a decision or something that had to have been determined. One, one side of the choice led to death, one did not. And so is someone or something or someone trying to get back to a moment where, you know, we see a sort of trope all the time. Oh, if I could only get back and change things, I could get back to what I had before or the, or the life I had before. You know, does something happen to someone? It's Irina, the, that, the female cosmonaut, if it's someone else. You know, I'm trying to find the way to get back to the life I had before. Yeah, I mean, if we go back to those scenes with Joe mm -hmm. struggling to fix the pod and all of that, if you think about how all of that played out, she died. Yeah, that that's where I'm landing at this point. Our Joe, yes, was trying to, you know, um, fix the pod. There were multiple indications that she didn't really have enough time. Then the latches malfunctioned, and mm -hmm. so on and so forth. And then we saw her like, oh, she finally did it, and and you know, yeah, got through. So I think my theory here. Is that somewhere in there, Arjo did manage to get back to Earth, but it jumped universes, jumped realities um, somewhere in there. And I mean, actually, the, the strongest scene that suggests itself is when she's back on Earth, though, when she's in the helicopter. If you recall that scene, yeah, where it's like, yeah, reality is sort of jumping back and forth in there. Yeah. So I don't know. Um, hopefully, there's going to be more information in the back half of the season here. Yeah. Um, yeah, to... that's an important point to bring out. We're halfway done with this season already, right? <laughs> Apparently, yeah. That's eight episode season. We're halfway there, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and are there going to be more seasons after this? I don't know. Is there going to be space for more seasons? 
we don't know personally we haven't watched the whole season yet so yeah um so with all the questions that that exist there were i thought quite a few answers given in this in this episode um yeah the idea of multiple astronauts going through this the idea of what the pills are the you know so several things it seems like um you know we got this recordings of of what might have happened to the cosmonaut we got some real exposition about the experiment um it the right amount of information flowing through this episode like giving too much away giving too much um through what we need to know versus what we need to remain a mystery at this point like a lot of stuff we know what the pills are we know what the yeah. what the the cosmonaut said we know what the experiment does we know what what has been observed we know potentially that there's a reality where joe died and where one where she didn't or sort of do we do we get the right amount of information here or there's just so much we have to do that we have to make sure we're giving you know tripping some of it out each episode i mean i liked it presuming we can trust the creators of the show to have enough going on in the next four episodes at least you know to close out one solid season and then who knows probably want they want to do more than that generally people do but maybe not um <clears throat> with the lithium <clears throat> i like i, I kind of like i mean it's interesting to me that it's lithium yeah for one thing um i was kind of surprised that they were telling us so immediately what the pills were. Yes. Right. Because we talked about that at some length last week. But to take that latter point first, I kind of like that, you know, because they're not holding these pills up as some great mystery that's going to be central to, you know, but rather like, no, it's just lithium. And the fact that the fact that it's lithium, that is a completely existing thing in the world that people do and take, you know, they, they take it. Uh, lithium seven. I was doing a little research. Apparently, it's like the most abundant isotope of lithium on Earth. Mm, okay, you know? so it's like this isn't some rare, weird thing. <laughs> um, not really, you know. Yeah. And um, I don't know what to make of that. It actually does create another question around it because it is a common element, as it were. Um. The other stuff, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I think there's still a whole lot of questions here. It does seem yeah. strongly indicated that the one version of Joe died, you know. But related to that, I think your question is a very good one that the show owes us an answer to. Yeah. How is Alice seeing the memorial Yeah. for the dead Joe, where Paul is there, by the way. Paul didn't die. Right. So that that's a wrinkle in what I said earlier because our Joe's Paul died, right? So I don't know. Maybe I was wrong before. Yeah. So okay, I'm glad you brought that up because that to me could introduce an idea of even a third reality, a third timeline. Because what we're just discussing is Joe dies long after Paul did, and everything that we've seen, right? If if we assume it's while she's trying to repair the right. escape capsule, while she's trying to land on Earth. And something in that capacity, she dies. But that's a day or two after Paul died. And yet we see a reality where 
Joe is dead, but Paul is at the funeral. So yeah, again, even beyond how Alice can see that, does that then introduce another reality that we have to, to sort of bake into this, this equation here? Yeah, and I mean, I mentioned many worlds theory before. I mean, one possibility is that Constellation will conceptually go that far mm-hmm. as a way to not have to count the number of realities. Are you following me here? Yeah, yeah. Like, like if the conceptual answer is it's infinite. Yeah, it doesn't matter. Well, yeah. <laughs> we don't need to actually like count so much as you know. And try to figure out how the narrative hangs together or or what have you. But yeah, it is a real question about Alice because there are, I think, indications. We think about Henry's whiteboard again. We think about some of the stuff that Bud said about Apollo 18. We think about the dead cosmonaut in space being Irina, who mm. we've also seen alive on Earth. Um, one of the things on his whiteboard is death in space. So, like, one possibility would be that, the, okay, there are infinite versions of all of us, but if one of those versions of you dies in space, weird stuff happens. Yeah. Not not really, like, scientifically plausible, but maybe <laughs> that would be, that's one possibility of where we're going, right? One version of you died in space, and that short circuits the, you know, your experience of metaphysical reality in some way, and now you're kind of, you know, in between living in this liminal space between worlds. I don't know, but Alice didn't die in space. Exactly. And that's why, you know, there's also the, what, sort of the common sci-fi trope of we tried to take two steps, but we actually got a hundred out of it. Like we, we opened up a box that we shouldn't have. We, you know, invented Skynet to protect us and then it ends up destroying us, right? So this idea that you're trying to just accomplish one thing, something, find two, one piece of matter that's in two states at the same time, and you end up opening a door to an infinite number of ways that that matter can exist. Yeah. <clears throat> See, now, but I do think at this point that the primary phenomenon here pre-exists the Calthabites. And Henry's trying to figure it out with the Calthabites or something like that. Um, Of everything we've seen, then, it continues to feel to me like the stuff we see between um, the stuff with Henry, the stuff with Bud, thinking about whether they're versions of the same person or what have you. Um almost feels like that has the potential to be the most fruitful space where we're going to start getting some answers. Yeah. We get more here because Henry is talking to, I don't know himself on a computer or it's Jonathan Banks wearing glasses. Yeah. Is that bud? Is that a third one? Mm -hmm. How many, you know, how many are there? And and, and so on. Yeah. I I think we're, I think we're might be knocking on the door of what the right, not what the right answer is, but sort of what they're going towards, which is that we have no concept of how many, you know, how many paths they've opened up to different realities or or universes. And is it just three? Well, what what would what would be the reason why it would be just three? Why is it not just this infinite number? And that is you're trying to get something to get you to the one where you 
you were before, it's a fruitless effort because you're just going to find yourself in another one that has, you know, you have that you don't belong in or that you weren't a part of before. Yeah. But see, also, for if we're down this path with Henry, there seems to be the possibility that what happened after Apollo 18 is multiple versions of him ended up in the same reality. That would be different than what happened to Joe. Yeah. Right. I think, um, unless not, maybe there, maybe there is another Joe in, in our primary reality somewhere or something like that. Um, if that's right about Henry though, and, um, Bud, it might also be the case with Irina. So I want to, call your attention and our listeners' attention to the scene from episode two where they are trying to communicate with Joe on the ISS and this is the point where the communication fails and they can no longer hear her. Mm -hmm. Alright? As that's going on someone uh, maybe maybe it's Michaela, uh, maybe it's someone else, like Henry assistant of some kind, uh, comes and informs him that he has a phone call from Skagarak Marine Observatory. Yes. And Irina makes a face at that. Like, Skagarak? And he's like, don't give me any, you know, don't give me a hard time. Or whatever, that's how it plays. I think it's more facial expressions than, than anything. Um, and then he asks her how her sister's doing. Mm-hmm. She says, I think you know she's dead, something like that. And then she asks him about his brother. He says, We haven't spoken in years, thank God. And then we cut to Bud. Yeah. And there is nothing in there to tell us whether he took the call from Skagarak. Correct. Okay. But here in episode four, Joe gets the package in the mail with the cassette tapes from Skagarak Marine Observatory. Mm-hmm. And the one cassette tape of her from October 15th is from the day, and presumably more precisely, the time I was referring to there in episode two. Yeah. So it seems to indicate to me that Henry did not take that call. And if he had, they could have heard her because Skagarak was hearing her. Yeah, this is... I, I like that theory because what... You know, what I, I think my initial surface level observation of that was, oh, so, you know, there's somebody who knows what's going on and they are, uh, you know, they sort of want to be the fly in the ointment of this whole thing and... Here's the what can expose you know the, the the grand conspiracy of what's of what's happening, but it does seem like there's sort of a deeper thing where all of this is connected back to what happened to Henry, what happened to Irina, what happened to their versions of themselves that um, you know whatever it is that they that they went through. Um, I, I guess, and I also wanted to ask you this related to that same point. So we sort of see this series of astronauts, Henry, Joe the one who saw the angels, the one that attacked their family, you know, these people that have had these issues, but there's nothing in there about an, an Irina. Is that because she is Russian? She's a cosmonaut. The records wouldn't be in there or, you know, some other explanation when she's looking through the, 
the records. I thought I just took it as well, Russian cosmonaut records wouldn't be in this this data set or whatever. I might have to revisit that. You mean when she's looking at the records? In my memory, I kind of I, I feel like I remember seeing Irina's name in there, but maybe I, I, I maybe I did it. that. Yeah, <laughs> I knew that. Maybe I expected it to be in yeah. there. And... Because I only remember the one who saw angels and the one who attacked their family. Um Again, that's the point we're gonna have to check before <laughs> before next time, I guess. But yeah, well, I'll try to I'll call it up and double check that because I mean, it would only have been visually on yeah. the list, not something that was further, you know, elaborated on. Right. Um, but I try to look back at that because you're right. If she's not there, that might also be interesting to note. Mm -hmm. You know, um, these other people who are there who are on. Um, categorized as B. B. You yeah. know? Um, presumably they're all being given lithium instead of B vitamins. Also, are they going to enter our story in any way? You know, like are we gonna actually see them? Is Joe gonna look them up? You know, these are possibilities, I suppose. Yeah, I thought um, theory that, that they start appearing in some in some way throughout this story. But then Skagarak, look, I mean, in terms of what part of what you were saying, there are strong indications that they are I don't know what on the other side in one way or another, because while well, Irina scoffs at their name in episode two, but also maybe even more importantly, they've sent her a tape of a Russian cosmonaut dying in space in 1967. Exactly. Who's a woman. Exactly. And throughout the hearing, everyone insisted no Russian cosmonauts ever died in space. Yeah. Ever. Could yeah. not possibly <laughs> be the explanation. We've opened up all, all the confidential records. We can show you. No one is. We promise you. These are all the records. No one died in space. Right. Yeah. So maybe Skagarak's been out there and they have recordings from what I mean, Denmark's has some special ability to record space. I don't know. And <laughs> maybe they have recordings of various things and the international community at large doesn't give them credence. Right. So yeah. Henry's not going to take their call because you can't give any credibility to this organization that's out there saying, hey, we have a tape of Irina dying in space. And everyone would go, are you insane? She's right there, <laughs> alive, right? So, yeah. you know, how they're going to factor into this is uh, interesting. And they planted the seed in episode two. It was pretty quick. Yeah, to bring it back was interesting. I, A, have no doubt that this is not a marine observatory and b have no doubt this is not in denmark so what they actually are we're gonna we're gonna find out yeah well, we'll see um also doing research you can read my recap as well if people are, uh, have been writing on each episode and there's some of these details in there um the first man to die on a space flight was a russian cosmonaut no mm -hmm. um good 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 pull there because yeah I, I sort of like the that juxtaposition of there, there's the reality that happened, and there's the things that they say never happened on on this show. You know, they talk about Apollo eighteen, Russian cosmonauts never dying. You know, all these different things that we can point to that are discrepancies. And is that just because this is a piece of fiction, or is it because we are now on sort of a a, a really thin barrier between different realities? Right. Yeah. So clearly, I mean, like the 
you could just say, well, the primary world of this story is not the world that we're living in right now. Okay, you know, but there's there's clearly a lot, um, a lot going on here to think about, and I do think that's a big question about Alice. Glad you mentioned that yeah. because she very clearly sees and has a sense of something being off with her mother even before yeah. that. Um, what's going on there? And you want to talk about the painting a little bit? You noted the title here. Yeah. So just, just want to get your thoughts on if there's anything you can draw from me, what this this is. All This episode ends, again, in the cabin, just a pan shot towards this painting. It's a painting by Hugo Simberg from 1897. It's called The Poor Devil by the Fire, The Devil by the Pot. And there's all sorts of speculation online what what this could mean and why we're seeing this. Sort of so my first, my, my, first, my first question, Ryan, um, and this may not be of interest to anyone listening. Um, where did you learn that this was what the painting was? This is just sleuthing online, just trying to find, has anyone found out where this was? I certainly didn't know it ahead of time, but there's some... But it was people, people were talking about Constellation yes. and you directly... Yes. Yeah, okay. Because yes. uh, I tried to figure out what the painting was before the episode aired and I came up short. Yeah. Well, I took a was... screenshot of it. I put it in Google Lens. So, <laughs> it was um, only by benefit of we were recording this two days after the episode. Yeah. So so that's good. I, I did I put the screenshot in my recap, but I was like, I don't know what this is. <laughs> um so Hugo's Hugo Simberg looking into him a little bit, uh kind of an interesting figure. I did notice in relation to what we're talking about that perhaps his most famous painting is called The Wounded Angel. Oh, interesting. Which was the title, I think, of episode two of Constellation. Yes, that's right. So, are oh there? Oh my gosh, what if what if the whole this whole theme is a uh, Hugo, Hugo Simberg and and sort of a a retelling of his life? That that would be the <laughs> we kind of my doors. Do we get? Mm, we probably <laughs> should get an art historian on here and really dig into <laughs> what's going on with Hugo Simberg's work. Yeah. Um, Devil on the Fire Devil. I don't have a lot to say about this. I mean, I. I appreciate the painting personally yeah yeah my, um, my my favorite theory i saw online was this this painting which again we will we uh, there's a screenshot of it in cameron's piece you can go find it online is that there's this sort of emasculated almost bony thin version of the devil standing holding a, a pot near a fire and the the, the theory is that Sort of the the devil is is starving, and what they're doing with these experiments is 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 feeding him. That this is just pure evil that we're opening the doors to by doing these doing these experiments. So, um, why that painting would be hung up in the cabins? Who knows? Um, you know, I want some more. I don't know happier things in my vacation homes, but uh, you know, to each their own, I guess. Yeah. Another question is. And look, one of the things I appreciate about the show is that it leads me to questions like this even if I wish I'd actually done what I'm about to say before we recorded, which I didn't do. In the previous cabin scenes, was that painting there? Yeah, I have no you idea. <laughs> I'm not sure. They really call our attention to it here, um, but it's a possibility that maybe it was a different painting in the yeah. other ones. I don't know. I'd have to double check, and I haven't done that. Unfortunately, I should have done that. Each reality um, has a Hugo Simberg painting in it in the cabin. Maybe. <laughs> 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 Maybe. Who the most one's Francis Bacon. Totally different world. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. No. No. other thoughts beyond beyond that. There's just there. There are interesting theories out there, and yeah, this this uh, this seems like something that maybe we'll 
maybe we'll get a sense of why or where this this painting is or what what it means before we're done. But it's certainly uh, is it, I don't know. There are other mysteries I'd rather solve first. Yeah, maybe keep an eye on the, on the paintings. Yep, you know, yep. Um, definitely worth worth noting here. And um, yeah, where's this all going to go? To what extent is it going to be um, playing with quantum mechanics? Clearly, it is. To what extent is it going to hop over into metaphysics of a yep. more spiritual nature? Um, like, is it going to be devil stuff and God stuff in here? It's possible. <laughs> yeah. You know? um, we'll see. But I don't mean, I'm, I'm enjoying the show. I think there's a lot to dig into here and really appreciate the opportunity to talk it all through with you here each week. And I hope people enjoy listening. Yeah. I'm, I'm enjoying go through this you know it's one of these where i have no concept of where we're going but i like the journey that we're on so we'll uh we have at least four more to go so looking forward to doing that cool so i think that about does it for this week anything else you want to hit on before we wrap up i think we've touched on what i need to all right sounds good so we'll be back next week to talk about constellation episode five uh, in the meantime, yeah, you can read my recap of uh, this week's episode on tvobsessive.com. Check out other stuff on there. Follow us on social media at TV Obsessive, um, on X, Facebook, Instagram, Blue Sky, <laughs> Mastodon. I never checked the Mastodon. <laughs> and uh, Threads. I've been posting articles on Threads. Basically, uh -huh. with those, you're just gonna, you're just gonna like basically, you're just gonna get the articles posted there if, if you want to. Um, you know, see it on your social media when we publish something and so on. Um, check out the YouTube channel, like and subscribe there, and all of that. And uh, I think that about does it. So we'll be back next week for Constellation Episode 5. All right. Really looking forward to that. We will see you next time.